0: And I thought pure-aid carrots were like the best thing in the world, until I discovered these, SpaghettiOs. And uh, SpaghettiOs, um, you know, they're not the good life, but they're the better life. And as a kid, I thought SpaghettiOs were it, until I finally discovered this, the Whopper. The king of all Burgers. And you know, I've often thought that if there is more to something, I want to know about it. And if there's something more, wouldn't you want to know about it? Yeah. I mean, if there is something more than the good life, if there is a better life that is out there, wouldn't you want to know about it? You see, folks, the truth is, you were made for more than just the good life. You were made for more than just to make money, retire, and die. God has a dream for your life. God has a vision for your life. And God's dream helps your life to actually make more sense. You need a vision. You need a dream for your life. And God says, I want to give that to you. And when you finally receive it, then you're like, this is it. This is the reason why I need to follow this. Because it gives me meaning. It gives me significance. It gives me satisfaction. There's purpose. There's value. There's like a spring in your step. You have a reason to get up in the morning besides just, oh, I better go to work. Make some money so I can pay for all this stuff I bought. And so the question becomes, how do I get God's vision? How do I get God's vision for my life? How do I get God's dream for my life? Well, fortunately, there is a book in the Bible, an entire book in the Bible, that is dedicated to this question. It's a very little, tiny book. And it's called Habakkuk. Now, even though I kind of sound like Barry White this morning, hey baby, (laughs) I said Habakkuk, not tobacco, okay? So it's Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is in the Old Testament, at the end of the Old Testament, it's a small little book that only has three chapters in it. But I'm going to tell you, by the end of our time today, you're going to be like, I'm so glad that Habakkuk was in the Bible. Because it tells you how you can get God's vision, God's dream for your life. Now, I always like to study uh, some of these smaller, minor prophets, these messengers of God who didn't get a huge, you know, book, but just a little small book. And the reason is is because when I get to heaven, I don't want to be embarrassed. And you don't want to be embarrassed when you get to heaven. Because undoubtedly what's going to happen is some guy is going to walk up to you and he's going to say, hey, how did you like my book? And I just don't want you to sit there and go, who are you? And then when he says, well, my name's Habakkuk, you go, Habakkuk? Who? You know, who is that supposed to be? I mean, I want you to be able to say, ah, Habakkuk, that stuff that you gave in your book was so amazing. It touched my life. Back in 2012, when I was really trying to give my whole life to God and to have His vision, your book helped me to find God's vision for my life. Now, the background of Habakkuk is that the nation of Israel is under a lot of chaos. And there are a number of reasons why. First of all, They're in an economic recession. Secondly, people are out of work and they're starving. Three, they're in constant conflict. And four, they're being attacked by terrorists. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Yeah, sounds like today, right? And so in chapter 1, Habakkuk asks six questions that I have a feeling every single one of you have asked as well. And here they are. Why is this happening, Lord? Why is this happening to me, Lord? Are you going to do anything about this, Lord? How long is this going to take? Why do I have to put up with this? And when are you going to show up? Just by a sign of hands, how many of you have ever asked one of those questions before? Yeah, we all have. And in Habakkuk, chapter 1, he asks these six common questions. And then in chapter 2, he stops. And he says, okay, I've said my piece. I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to wait for God's vision." And in chapter 2, as Habakkuk says, I'm going to slow down, I'm going to stop, I'm not going to say anything, God says, okay, if you will now do these six things that I'm getting ready to tell you, you will understand why what's happening in your life is happening in your life. I'm going to help you to receive a vision for your future. I'm going to help you to understand why God placed you on planet Earth. Now, anybody here interested in Habakkuk now? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden now, okay, maybe this is going to be good. Folks, you're going to be so glad that you came to church today because I'm going to share with you how you can get God's vision for your life. Now, I just want you to think about some area in your life right now in which you need some advice. All of us have that area. Think about what that is. Maybe it's your career. Where you're going next. Maybe it's schooling. Maybe it's about getting married. Maybe it's about your kids. Maybe it's retirement. Whatever stage of life that you're in, you need a vision. Not television. That's what a lot of us do. You need a vision for your life. You need God's vision for this next stage that you're in. So let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2. This is what it says. After Habakkuk asked these questions, he said, I will climb up into my watchtower, which in the Hebrew expression means that I'm just going to sit down and shut up. I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to have a quiet time right now. I will climb up into my watchtower, and I will wait to see what the Lord will say to me. In other words, all these questions that I've asked. And he will answer my questions. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer. In other words, write it down. I'm going to tell you something, Habakkuk. I want you to write this down. In large, clear letters so that a runner can read it and tell it to everybody else. God says, I'm going to give a vision for your life, Habakkuk, but I'm going to give it to you in a dream, not just for yourself now, but for all people. So this is going to be good. Now, God has a dream for your life. Not anyone else, but the person who's sitting in your seat. He has a vision for your life today. And he goes on and he says, but these things I plan, in other words, this vision, this dream that I'm giving to you about your future, it won't happen, what's it say? Right away. It's not going to be immediate, it's going to be a process. But, slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled in your life. If it seems slow, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not Be delayed. So here's the first step of how you can get God's vision for your life, and it's this I must want it. I must want His vision. I must have a desire for His vision and purpose for my life. He says, I have a choice, and my choice is to spend some time with God and figure out exactly what He wants me to do. I want to know. His will for my life. I want to know His dream for my life. I want to know His vision for my life. Now, folks, the point is this. You're not going to hear God unless you really, really, really want to hear Him. I mean, God doesn't tell His dream if you're like, could we debate about that a little bit? Have a little debate going on? You're not going to hear God's dream for your life if you say, hey, can we discuss it? Can we have a little bit of a dialogue? God doesn't tell you what he wants you to do while you're here on earth. If you choose to say, let me think about it for a while after you've told me this, and I'll get back with you, God, on what I want to do. There's no deliberation. It's simply saying, I've got to know. I've got to know why you put me here on earth. I've got to know what you want me to do in these next steps of my life. I've got to know. I've got to know your voice. I've got to have your vision. Now, the classic example of this is a guy in the Bible by the name of David. David was the greatest king in the Old Testament. And in the Bible, he wrote a book called Psalms. There are 150 of them. They're kind of his experiences with God that many of them turned into hymns of the early church. And here are just a couple of them. He says this, My God, I want to do what you want. He says, I just don't want to know what you want me to do. I actually want to do it. In the next verse, he says, What I want most of all and at all times is to honor your laws, to honor your ways. Now just notice the passion that he speaks in these two verses. He says, what I want to know most of all, God, there's no other option. I want to hear from you. He says, I've got to know your wisdom. I want to know your advice. I want to know your vision. I want to know your dream. I want to know your goal for my life. And when you read the book of Psalms, which is a great book to read, when you read through it, you can see his passion all the way through it. He says things like, I long for it. I crave it. I hunger it. I thirst for it. I'm like a deer panting for water. God, I've got to know why you have me here. I've got to know your dream. I've got to know your vision. It's not optional. You've got to tell me, God, or I'm going to die. And let me just tell you, folks, when you get that desperate, guess what? You're going to hear from God. You know, most people uh, talk to God, but they never hear from God. It's like a monologue. It's like my four-and-a-half-year-old Jordan. She can come up and just... And I'll try to say, enjoy and just this monologue. She doesn't want to talk to me, she just wants to talk about herself. Which is what most people want to do. You're just not four and a half. But that's the way it is. It's this monologue. I mean, just think about it. If when I got married to my wife, just imagine that she talked to me all the time. Just talk, 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 and I never said another word. Wait, that did happen. No, I'm joking. But that's not a relationship. You've got to have a conversation. I mean, just as important as it is to talk to God in prayer, you need to listen to Him as well. So how do I do that? Well, Deuteronomy 4 says this. If you search for God with all of your heart, and you search for Him with all of your soul, in other words, passionately, you will what? find him. Guaranteed. He says, you will find me. So step one is, I have to want this with all my heart. Number two, if you want to hear God's vision for your life, is you have to withdraw. I must withdraw and get alone with God. I have to withdraw and get alone with God. Folks, God is not going to speak to you if there is a whole bunch of noise all around you. And some of us, we just live with a life filled with noise. That's why Habakkuk was saying, I will climb up to my watchtower. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to withdraw from everything else so I can get the noise taken down a notch or two. Folks, you've got to get alone with God and you've got to be quiet. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to give you an experience to do that, to have a quiet time. With God, And what I'm going to teach you this morning, if you take to heart and you do this each day for the rest of your life, you're going to hear from God. It's not something that you just do here at church and you don't do it the rest of the week, but each day, if you do this, you're going to hear from God. You've got to do it, though, each day. And when you pull yourself away and you withdraw, folks, and you hear from God, that's where the power is. If you're not having a daily time with God, and it doesn't have to be long, but just five minutes a day, you're the toaster that's not plugged in. You're the microwave that's not plugged in. You're the vacuum cleaner that's not plugged in. You have no power in your life if you try to do it on your own. And that's why you get tired. The reason people get exhausted and worn out and everything is they're trying to do life on their own rather than plaguing, plugging into the source that is most important. And when you're not plugged in, you can't hear God, you can't hear His vision, and you can't follow the call that He has for your life. You've got to withdraw and get alone with God. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's very difficult to find a quiet place in our culture Today, I don't know if you realize this, but there is a lot of noise that goes on in your life. When you get in your car, I bet 90% of you don't just sit in your car and just drive away. You put on the radio and you start listening to something. Or when you're out walking, you don't listen to creation. You put earbuds in your ears with your iPod or whatever it is and you're walking. You go to the doctor's office, they have music going on. You go to the grocery store, they have music. You get on an airplane, they have something going on. You get in an elevator, they have music. It's boring music, and it makes you want to, you know, do something mean to somebody in the elevator. But it's noise nonetheless. I mean, there's very little time in your life, folks, in which you have absolute quiet. So how do you do that? How do you carve out some solitude for yourself? Because you need to. Now, if you've got kids in your house, this can be extremely difficult to do. I mean, you may have to go and lock yourself in the bathroom. Or better yet, go lock them in the bathroom, you know? (laughs) You may have to go out into the garage. You may have to go out into the front yard, sit in your car, you know? Neighbors will think you're weird, but you'll be quiet with God, you know? You'll get, like, all this power coming. I have a closet in our house. It's the quietest place in our entire house. And I go there, and I close the door. And I put a little thing on the outside of the door. And that means, Jordan, Shiloh, you come in here? You may not come out because that's my space. Or sometimes when there's too much going on at the house, uh, I go to a field behind a church that's close uh, to where we live. I went in and talked to the pastor two years ago and I said, Hey, um, would it be okay if I pulled in the back of your church, this big open field and trees and different things, and I could just be quiet and listen to God? And he said, Yeah, sure, no problem. You know what's happened? Two times in the last two years, a sheriff's car has pulled up behind me. They have walked up to the edge of my car. You know, I roll down the window, and you should see the look on their face, because both times I've said this. They go, what are you doing? I go, I'm trying to listen to God. Would you like to join me? Both times, they got back in their car. They didn't say anything. They just said, go for it. And then they just (laughs) never talked to me again. Now, let me say, this whole quiet time thing, if you've got preschoolers, like I said I do, a two-and-a-half and a a four-year-old, it can be a big problem to find some quiet time. But I want to give you some hope today. Susanna Wesley, who was a world changer... Uh, in the United States, had two sons. One was named John Wesley, and the other was named Charles Wesley. And they didn't just affect Christian history, they affected American history. John Wesley founded the Methodist Church, and as he went out west, he started tons of churches um, that you see today. And his brother Charles, get this, he wrote over 6,000 hymns. 6,000. Now, Susanna Wesley had 18 children. It's like the Duggar family, you know what I mean? And how in the world do you find quiet time with 18 children? Well, I read a part of her story this week, and this is what she would do. Each afternoon, she would go into a room that had her favorite rocking chair she would take her apron that was in front of her and she would pull it over her head for one hour. And when mom had the apron over her head, no child bothers her or they die. (laughs) And this is what the Wesley brothers said. It was the prayers of their mom that shaped their life. And millions of lives have been shaped because of a mom who had a quiet time. So you got to remove, folks, all the distractions. You can find alone time if you're desperate like that. You got to take the phone off the hook. You have to put your cell phone on quiet. I used to put it on vibrate, and you know, initially you're sitting there and you're trying to, okay, God, I'm I'm quieting down. I want to connect. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I put it on quiet because it's my quiet time. You don't answer your text. People want to text you all the time. Just text them back and say, I'm talking to God. Don't text me anymore, you know? Or better yet, just turn your phone off altogether. But you've got to be quiet. And Jesus gives us some specific advice on this in Luke chapter 5. It says, Jesus, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And the key word there is the word often. That means, folks, that he made it a habit. It needs to be a habit in your life every day. He would withdraw to a lonely place. I know a lady uh, in our small group, and what she does is on her lunch break, she takes her lunch, she goes to a park, and she spends a little bit of time with God. I know another friend of ours who's a small group leader, and he told me when he gets into his office at 7.30, he pulls aside and he spends some time being quiet before all chaos starts in his job. It doesn't matter. Again, the key is that you withdraw. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 6, Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. I love that in the message. Don't role-play. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift then in your quiet time from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. Now let me tell you this. The key to getting in touch with God, to hearing God speak to you, is this, and you're going to want to write this down because it's very important. God wants to meet with me. The creator of the universe wants to meet with you. Not with the person beside you, although that's good too, but he wants to meet specifically with you. So if you're the kind of person who says, no, no, God wouldn't want anything, no, 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 you're wrong. God wants to meet with me. Folks, you need to realize that it's not you're waiting on God, but God is waiting on you. God made you to have a relationship with him. He knows every single thing about you, the good, the bad, the ugly the flub-ups, the mess-ups, the screw-ups in your life, and he loves you anyway, and he says, I want you to know me and love me. He wants you to spend time with him on a daily basis. He wants you to schedule a time each day that you set aside with him, that God is waiting for you. In fact, here's what it says in the book of Jeremiah. God says this, Call to me. In other words, talk to me. Just talk to me. Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you wonderful and marvelous things that you know nothing about. Now what is it? What are those marvelous, wonderful things that you know nothing about? That you don't know zip. You know nada. You know nothing about it whatsoever. What is that? It's your future. And no palm reader, no psychic, no astrologer, no stockbroker can tell you that. The only person who knows your future is God himself. And he says, if you talk to me, he says, all you got to do is talk to me. But if you talk to me, I will talk to you. I'll give you a dream. I'll share with you what your vision is. You'll learn things that no one else knows because I'm going to give it to you on where we're going you and me, into your future. You see, God is far more willing to talk to you than you are willing to talk to him. And the truth is, is that he knows every single detail about your life. He knows it all. Jesus said this, don't worry about what you will eat. Don't worry about what you will drink. Don't worry about what you will wear. Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Did you know that God is concerned about every, every, every detail in your life? Anything that you're concerned about, guess what? God's concerned about. And you know what that means? It means you ought to talk to him about everything. So if you get a pimple on your nose... And if you're 40 like I am, I kind of take pride in that, you know. It makes me feel like a teenager still. But if you get one and you're concerned about it, I wasn't. But if you're concerned about it, God's concerned about it. If you've got an upset stomach and you're concerned about it, God's concerned about it. If you have a cold and you're concerned about it, God's concerned about it. The Bible says that God knows every single hair on your head, that it's numbered. Now, for some of you, God's job's a little bit easier than others, you know? But he even knows, like, the follicles that are there that don't even have hair. He knows that. I was thinking about it this morning. Some of you woke up and you combed your hair, you brushed your hair, whatever. He knows how many hairs are in the comb or in the brush that you put on the counter. That's how much detail he knows about you. Folks, God knows more about you than you know about yourself. And he's interested in everything in your life because he's a loving and perfect father who is head over heels in love with you. And you can talk to him about anything. He cares about it all. The details, the decisions, the delights, the disasters. And so first of all, you have to say, I want to know this. Secondly... I want to withdraw so I can spend some time alone with God. And finally, I must wait on God to speak. So I must want it, I must withdraw, and finally, I must wait for God to speak. I must calm my emotions, my thoughts. I must calm my body if I'm going to hear from God. You know, the reason why most people never hear from God is because they are so ramped up on the RPMs in their life. You never slow down enough to hear from God. And hurry is the death of prayer. Every time that you're in a hurry, that means you just don't have time to connect with God. Hurry is the death to prayer. You've got to slow down. You've got to be quiet. And once you get into a quiet spot, then the big thing is, how do you quiet your mind? And you can't do that fast, can you? You can't just shut your mind off just like that. You've got to wait. It takes a while. You can't, you know, slow down your mind quickly. It's kind of like going to sleep. Okay. We're we'll going to go to sleep. Ten seconds. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. God, I'm really calm now. I'm calm ready to be calm. I'm calm. Talk to me. I'm calm. You can't do that. And some of us try to put God on our time schedule rather than saying, you know what, God, I'll just give you some time, and however you want to do it, I think that would be a better option. He says it doesn't work that way. You've got to take some deep breaths. You've got to slow down. In Habakkuk chapter 2, here's the thing that he does. He says... I will wait. In the New International Version, it says, I will station myself. You might want to circle that word, station, that they station themselves. What's that mean? What does it mean to station yourself? It means you stay put. You don't move. Like these guys. Any of you guys uh, know who these guys are? I think we have a picture. Who is that? It's the Buckingham Palace guards. And there are people. They stand like this. And people will go up and they'll try to get them to move. They don't move. They don't flinch. They don't look. They don't blink. Nothing. They're not going to move. They don't smirk. They are stationed right where they're at. They don't move. And that's what you need to do. You have to wait on God. You have to station yourself. In fact, one of my favorite verses of the Bible is this next one. It's in Psalm 46, and it says, Be still and know that I'm God. You can't know God, folks, if you're always moving around. You've got to be still. You can't know God if you're just saying, "Uh, I'm going to... Okay, God, i got some time. Bring it on. What do you got? The truth is, God... Is going to talk to those people who slow down enough to listen to them. So, how do you do this? How do you station yourself? How do you calm yourself down? I mean, a lot of you got stress. A lot of you are going through some really tough stuff right now. How do you calm yourself down? How do you get through that? How do you calm your mind down? And here's how you do it you calm your emotions down. And you calm your mind down by calming your body down. You calm your mind, folks, when you start relaxing your body. Your mind always responds to your body's actions. How many of you would agree that when you're physically in a certain way that your mind is affected by that? If you feel bad... You don't think very good, because your body influences your attitude. But as your body relaxes, so does your mind. So here's what you do in this quiet time. You simply wait on God. You might take some deep breaths if you have to. Kind of breathe in through your nose. Sometimes I'll do this three, four, five times before finally I get my body kind of relaxed so I can hear from God. I told a guy one time at the church I pastored before in Florida, he was like, man, I, I have this hard time kind of getting focused on God. And I said, well, uh, why don't you try this breathing thing, you know, breathe in and out. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. He's like, no, 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 you're going to wait. This isn't labor, dude, you know. You got to slow down. You just take in a breath, blow it out. You get your body to relax so that your mind can be comfortable. Now, some of you might be too relaxed right now, so if you're sleeping, uh, you know, wake up. Now, there's a right and there's a wrong way to pray before God. A lot of people think that the only way that you pray before God is that you have to get on your knees, you got to get your hands together. You've got to get down here, feel about as uncomfortable as you possibly can, start having knee pain, then close your eyes, and that's the way that God's going to hear you. Now, the reality is, folks, that's one way to pray. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's not the way that I pray, but that's one way if you want to. Now, also, you can stand up to pray. Just like I'm talking to you, that's the way you can do it. You don't have to close your eyes. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to. And you can pray quietly, kind of within your head, or you can pray out loud. You see, I find it to be a lot better for me to stay focused in my prayer if I pray out loud. So I suggest that you find a quiet place and you talk out loud to God, just like I'm talking to you right now. Now make sure that you find a quiet place so that's away from people. Because if you do it like in a public setting and you start talking out loud and no one's around you, they're going to think you're whack. okay? Wiggity-wiggity-whack, maybe. So you got to find a place where you can do that. And then, though, you just say, Hey, God, this is what's going on in my life right now. This thing right here really sucks in my life right now. What's going on, God? And you just share what's going on. You don't have to be poetic. You don't have to have some big, long speech. You don't have to say the these and thous and hitherto and... Where for arts? And uh, that probably wouldn't be very good, would it? Where for arts? That's not good. Don't use that one. And you can actually stop. You don't have to just like keep on going on and on and on and on. You can like, just stop. I mean, I have conversations with my wife all the time. We're not constantly talking to each other. Sometimes another person just pauses and you listen. You don't have to be eloquent. Just say, God, I don't know even what to say right now. So you help me to know what to say. And then you just wait. Or you remember that guy yesterday? Man, he ticked me off. I was so mad. I'm so angry at him for the way. Just be real. God, I'm, I'm afraid right now. This thing that's going on in my job, this thing that's going on in my family, man, I'm afraid. Can you show up, God? Help me. Help me not to be afraid. You just get quiet, get comfortable, and don't rush it. There was a guy in the Bible by the name of Elisha. He was a uh, prophet, and uh, this is what he did. He actually listened to music when he tried to hear from God. The Bible says this in Second Kings three fifteen. Elisha said, "Now bring me someone who plays the harp." While the harp was going, while the harp was being played. The Lord gave Elisha power. Growing up as a kid, my mom, when she would have her quiet time, she would go into uh, her uh, room and she would turn on worship music. And that was her time. And she would get connected with God that way. And if that works for you, do that. Whatever it takes that you can connect. And look at the promise that were given in Isaiah. It says this, Those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. They will fly on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Are you out of energy today? Are you worn out? Are you fatigued? You need to wait on the Lord and He will give you strength. But how do you get that kind of energy? How do you do that? How do you wait on God? Well, let me give you three ways that you wait. First of all, you wait quietly. You wait quietly. Psalm 62 says, I wait quietly before God. My hope is in Him. You mean it's not about reading the Bible? It's not about praying? Right, it's not. Those things are important. You should do those. But when you wait on the Lord, the cool thing is you don't have to do stuff for him. You just wait on him. And you do it quietly. That allows your engines to kind of cool down so you can calm down. And then it says he gives you hope. Secondly, you wait patiently. You wait patiently. Psalm 37.7 says, be still. In other words, don't be moving around. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for Him to act. So once your body is still and your mind gets quiet, you start becoming more sensitive to hearing from God. Maybe in a way that you've never even heard from Him before. You're more open to it. Now let me just say this. This is not some new age breathing technique. Okay? This is not an Eastern kind of culture, you know, where you go, "Um, I'm going to look in my navel to see the lint in my navel. I'm there in my navel. Because what that does, folks, you know what that is? You don't have any focus whatsoever. They just want you to be blah. There's no, nothing at all. It's just neutrality. You're not focused on anything. Biblical meditation is you're focused on God. You're saying, Lord, I want to feel your presence. I want to focus on you. I want to know you. I want to hear from you. I want to sense your presence in my life. I want to experience you. Now listen, this is really important. might be the biggest thing some of you get. Inner calm is the intercom to God. Your inner calm is the intercom to God. You're not going to hear from God if you're saying, God, I'm in a hurry. Uh, Give me a moment here real quick. I've got to pick the kids up in seven minutes. Go. God's like, hello? No, slow down. Folks, this is the most important thing you can do in your life. That's why we're going to practice it today. You are never wasting your time. Let me say this again. You are never wasting your time when you're waiting on God. Because God didn't put you on this planet so that you could mark off a whole bunch of check, off your checklist. That's not why you're alive. Most important thing you can do, folks, is spend time alone with God. Because when you get to heaven, that's what you're going to spend forever with him. So learn and practice it now. And it doesn't have to be a long time. A lot of people are like, no, I only got like five, seven minutes. That's enough. Quiet yourself. Listen to God. Wait on Him. Because if you get to the end of your life, folks, and you haven't waited on God, and you don't know Him, you just wasted your life. God didn't put you here for you to make a bunch of things or make a bunch of money and then die. Your inner calm opens the intercom to God, to hear God's voice. So I wait patiently. Last thing, I wait expectantly. This is the faith factor. This is where you say, God, I believe you want to speak to me. I believe you want to talk to me. I expect you to speak to me. I'm expectantly waiting because you promised that. Look at what David says in 105. He says in Psalm 105, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for He has promised. Folks, God has promised that He will talk to you if you will take time to listen to Him. So your time is never wasted when you wait. As I wait, I wait expectantly. I believe God is going to show up. For instance... If tomorrow I told you that 6 in the morning, the President of the United States, the Pope of the Catholic Church, Billy Graham, and Bill Gates were all going to come and meet you at 6 in the morning at the Delaware County Courthouse privately just with you, some of you would not even go to bed tonight. Some of you would take one bath and you'd say, man, that's not enough, I'm going to take another one. You would go find some place to do your hair, to get you all dolled up, to find a barber. You'd go out and you'd buy a brand new suit. You would get uh, spiffed up. You would arrive 30 minutes early so that you could meet these important people. And guess what? Tomorrow morning, the Creator of the universe wants to meet with you. Tomorrow morning... The creator of the universe wants to meet with you. And you don't have to get duded up. You don't have to go buy a new suit. You don't have to buy a dress. You can even stay at home. You can stay in your PJs. But you have to make an appointment. So what's important to you? Because the choice really is up to you. Tonight, some of you will watch television right before you go to bed and some of you will stay up later to allow the television to do that or maybe you could go to bed a little bit earlier and you could wait for God in the morning and be ready to spend some time with Him. The choice, though, is up to you. I've only been in one play in my life, Fiddler on the Roof. And uh, I didn't have a big part at all. In fact, I was one of the extras. They needed some kids who were 8, 9, 10 years old who would wear these little hats and be little Jewish boys. And so I jumped in. I said, hey, I'm going to do that. I had no speaking part. But I had to go to rehearsal every single day. And you would just stand there and you would walk. And you would walk around and you'd have your hat on. You wouldn't say anything. And I remember thinking, as an eight-year-old, thinking, why do I have to rehearse to be quiet? But the reality is, as I have become an adult, I've had to learn more and more how to rehearse, to be quiet, to listen to God. And so that's what we want to give you this morning. I want to give you a moment, whatever's in your hand, just put it down And I want you to rehearse what you're going to do tomorrow. This is like a dress rehearsal for tomorrow when you meet with God. And I want you to be prepared. And the cool thing is as we do this right now, He might actually meet with you. We're going to ask Him to. We're going to ask Him to come to speak to us. Derek's going to sing a song that just talks about speak to me, Lord. And my prayer this whole week is that when we got to this point, that people would slow down enough that they would actually ask God to speak to them. And so we're going to sing this song. We'll give you a little time, and then I'll close this in prayer. And then we will center on the one who knows you best and loves you most. There'll be some words. We don't want you to sing this. We just want you to hear it. If you want, you can follow the words, but... Just connect with God. So if you need to take a breath, connect with God.
1: I and, and I am listening, speak to me, Lord, speak to me. I need your wisdom, the truth and comfort, speak to me, Lord, speak to me, speak to me. Speak to me, through your word, through your spirit, speak your words of life, speak to me, speak to me, I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me. servants, and I am listening. Speak to me, Lord, speak to me. My heart is silent, my soul is longing. Speak to me, Lord, speak to me. Speak to Spirit, speak your words of life, speak to me, speak to me, I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, through your words, through the spirit. Speak your words of life. Speak to me. Speak to me. I am listening. I am waiting. Speak to me. God, I just pray right now that
0: you'd speak to your people. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Help us to listen to your voice. And Not just right now, God, but tomorrow when we wake up. prayer kind of silently to yourself. God, I'm amazed that you would be my friend. I want to learn to have a conversation with you every day. Help me to practice the steps that we talked about this morning. Thank you, God, for caring for every single of my life. Jesus Christ, I want to know You more and more and better and better. I want You